0: Alright, Daniel chapter 6, we'll be in the first 15 verses, I'll give everyone a second to get there, Daniel chapter 6, been having a good study through Daniel, haven't we, it's been fun, I've enjoyed it, I hope you have too. Everyone got it, amen? Alright, Daniel chapter 6, starting here in verse 1. The scripture reads, reads, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Now remember there at the end of chapter 5, we saw the kingdom got delivered over to, to Darius from the Median Persian Empire. After Nebuchadnezzar's son had uh, lifted himself up, refused to repent, the kingdom was removed. Of course, that was a prophesied event as well. But so the kingdom's shifted over now, and so now Darius has been set over the kingdom as we see there in verse 1. So now he has set 120 princes uh, to serve under him over the whole kingdom there of the Babylonian kingdom, but it would expand now into the media Persian and and. We're starting to see like global domination thing happening here. So anyhow, verse 2. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. So you kind of see how the political structure takes shape there. Now Daniel, can you imagine how he was received by the rest of the princes? He would have been a despised Jewish inhabitant of the region, you know they not they weren't ignorant to the history of how Daniel got there. They knew he was a Hebrew right of course he wasn't he was no longer a child at this point he had grown he up in years at this point and had seen a lot. However, you can imagine that there was some resentments and some other things there, so the king has these hundred and twenty uh princes over the kingdom, and then he's got three presidents, so he's got them divided in thirds. And he's got presidents that rule over the 120 there. And so they all have to give an account. And out of all of these, Daniel is preferred above all of them. He's he's the he's number one, he's the number one honcho there under under Darius's rule. And so uh that's that's quite a miraculous promotion for Daniel. If you really think about how, how God would have had to, to put that together um, for it to be that way. And so, verse 3, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Uh, So you see how his testimony has preceded him here and uh, the way he carries himself, his integrity, um, his character, all these things uh, did a great deal in his promotion there under Darius. Darius. Um, this whole part of the king should have no damage. That's just the king putting multiple counselors in place to help with the decision making and the ruling over the kingdom to make sure the financial affairs were in order to make sure that they didn't have any breaches, security breaches, all that kind of stuff. So all those functions of government there to protect him and his leadership over the, I mean, it's obviously a a very big kingdom. That's too much for one person to be able to watch. He needs a lot of help, right? Um, so, that's that. But this, I, I like this. Daniel is preferred because an excellent spirit was in him. We should all desire an excellent spirit to be in us. Amen? Uh, you know, we, it's a shame uh, knowing that Christians were filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been given the Holy Spirit. But if we choose to live a life of grieving the Spirit and quenching the Spirit and not walking in the Spirit... Christians themselves can walk around and not have an excellent spirit about them in the way they go about things. Amen. Uh, So we're all susceptible to that. Don't underestimate the flesh at all. If you let the flesh get involved, uh, you get carnal minded about anything. You won't have this excellent spirit in you that you could, but we should all desire an excellent spirit to be in us. Uh, First and foremost, believers in Christ have the most excellent spirit of all, the Holy Spirit. The Bible Bible tells us, reveals to us that the Holy Spirit is the very Spirit of Christ. In Romans, I think chapter 8 there where it tells us if if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Christ knoweth whose are his based on the filling of the Spirit. And uh, so we have the Spirit of Christ in us. And so if we have the Spirit of Christ in us, we should have Christ-like qualities coming out of us. Amen? And if we are allowing christ-like qualities to come out of us in our life i would imagine people around us would say i like this person they have an excellent spirit about them the way they go about doing things and they care about others and they love people and and it's kind of it's refreshing when people have a good thing to say about those that they have met in the christian faith amen Um, because i've ran into a lot of people that have Negative perceptions of Christian believers and church people. And not all church people are Christian believers. And I think that might be where the problem is. Amen. Um, But it's refreshing when you meet somebody who has a positive, who may not be a Christian, but has a positive perspective on what Christianity is about because they've had positive encounters with those who name the name of Christ. If you're going to name Christ, you better have Christ like qualities going out to other people. Amen. I have an excellent spirit in you. Um, hold your spot here. I couldn't resist a quick trip over to Galatians chapter 5. You can turn there with me if you would. Here in uh, Galatians chapter 5, we find the fruits of the Spirit. Amen. And so if we are walking in the Spirit, we're yielding to the Spirit and we're wanting an excellent Spirit to to be in us and to have the qualities of Christ and the Holy Spirit coming out of us, here's what we're looking for. Galatians chapter 5, and look at uh, verse 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So first and foremost, we know the Bible tells us we ought to love. We love God with everything in us, amen? We love our neighbor, and we love each other. Any point in time, the world's looking at our testimony, and we're... Not loving one another, that's a big one. Why I want to go to church and be taught... When people talk about other people in their congregation or they talk about somebody that they go to church with and other people are hearing that, then they assume that you would talk about them as well. And so if they don't go to church, they don't want anything to do with it. Amen? Uh, social media can be real. I've, I've seen people go on church bashing tangents on social media. That's just a terrible... That's not an excellent spirit in them, amen? Um, that's just not right, even if something did happen. That's not everybody's business out there in the world, but love. So first of all, we love God, we love each other, we love our neighbors, and uh, love is something that's you can see somebody's love through their actions, amen? And so it's not, you know, anybody can say, oh, I love you, brother. And if we love, then we are looking out for the best interests of those who are the object of our love. And so if we love our neighbor, we want to do things for our neighbor. If we love God, there's going to be things that we do because we love God. Um, and so, so love is a, it, it requires some action there. You think about joy. Fruit of the Spirit is joy. Um, isn't it good to see joyful Christians? Hey, Amen. We should be filled with joy. We should have joy for a number of things. Most of all, our source of joy is the fact we understand the sin debt that's been forgiven, right? And so we have eternal life and we have that relationship with Jesus and we have Jesus in our life and no matter what we're going through, that's all the reason to have joy, amen? Uh, But joy also is something we feel because the comforting presence of God that you should feel inside of yourself. So if you have the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, that should be a comforting feeling, amen? You feel that peace in there, that's a source of joy. Um, And then the next one we have is peace. So if we if we have you know we have this uh, we have peace inside of us because through Christ we have peace with God. It's good then that Christians desire to have peace with those around them as well. Amen. Isn't it a weird thing to see a Christian is always wanting to that just doesn't seem to have any peace about them and they're always wanting to get into you know bickerings and strivings and all kinds of things with other people. Um, and just, you think, where's, where's your peace at? Um, also be cautious not to spend too much time on things that rob your peace and joy. Maybe I should put that out there as well. Amen. And I tell you what, Satan and the world are after our joy and our peace. Amen. And I tell you what, um, If he can take those things away from us, he certainly will. And so it's important that we apply ourselves and focus on those things which bring us Christian joy and bring us peace and allow those to radiate from us. And so it's important to maintain our prayer life, important that we are focusing on the Lord, doing our devotionals, fellowshipping with one another, doing all those things to continue to keep that peace and that joy stirred up in us. The next one we had on the list here, long suffering, that's patience. And I'd be willing to bet every single one of us has some, has, uh, you know, ha- has some parts of life where it's like, man, maybe I could be more patient in this area. Amen. I think we all have that. Um, if you ever raised children, you know, you have that, amen. Cause I'll tell you what, nothing can press the patience more than a child. <clears throat> Or he doesn't even have to be a kid uh we got a dog right now that's testing our patience hey amen just a pet and uh if he wants to keep a home he better learn how to behave hey amen i i can't get rid of a child a dog he can go somewhere <laughs> no he's part of the family too but you understand what i'm saying so uh patience long suffering the ability to um tolerate don't you don't you like how uh uh, the world has this expectation of our tolerance to all everything that they want, but they have no tolerance towards our faith. Amen, they have no tolerance towards our belief they want us to tolerate everything that they 're into. but then, when it comes down to the fact that we want to pray in public, which we 'll get to that in the chapter here, we want to pray in public and what and what oh they don 't want that we want to have our Bibles in schools we don 't want that. Uh, we don't want, you know, we we're going to stand for the Bible's worldview, and that includes on the topics of situations happening with Israel, abortions, LGBTQ, whatever. You know, I, they add new letters of that now. It's pack, practically half the alphabet now. Uh, we're going to stand by the Word of God, but they have no tolerance for us. But but they want us to tolerate everything that they do, and we're going to actually see some examples of that here in Daniel. Gentleness—we ought to be gentle in the way that we go about doing things. Goodness, faith, uh, meekness, temperance, self-control. So you see the picture there—Christ-like qualities coming out of us. If these are coming out of our, if these fruits are coming out of our life, uh, one would say that we have an excellent spirit, amen. And because we have the fruits of the spirit. And so verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. That would be the key to cultivating these fruits. And then in verse 25 here, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen? So these are important qualities. Now when we go back to Daniel here, you're going to find... We're about to see a group of people who are falling into the verse 26 category. We're going to see these princes here around Daniel and these other other members of Darius's government. We're going to see that they're desirous of vainglory and that they're willing to provoke. In their case, they provoke a king and the reason for it is their envy of Daniel. And so let's turn back here to Daniel so we see here Daniel's the, pretty much the chief ruler under the king now let's look a little bit further it says here the king thought to set him over the whole realm so he's like the prime minister can I say that he would be like the prime minister there now let's look at verse 4 so we're back in Daniel chapter 6 look at verse 4 Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Uh, 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 The man of God should be blameless. And we understand in Christ, we're, we're to be without fault. He's presented us faultless. Uh, But when we're allowing these fruits, when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us uh, to set our course and we're yielded to the Spirit, the world can search all they want to. They won't find fault. It's under the blood. Jesus is paid for that. And uh, through Christ-like qualities, we can be blameless. And so here we have Daniel who's in charge of everything and... What do they want to do? They're on a fault-finding mission. Amen? Imagine that. Um, so, Daniel is a great man. There was no error or fault to be found in him. Proverbs chapter 3, 4, you don't have to turn there. Uh, but it tells us about finding favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. And so, uh, we, I think I, I referred to that verse previous in our Daniel study. Here we have it. He has favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man, now these men have a problem with Daniel because he's against their interest, right um, he is disrupting their idea of the way the kingdom should go. uh they have some envy and some vainglory going on amen uh but uh but but regardless of that, here's Daniel who has this favor. He's been promoted by the king because of that favor. You say, how does the Jewish, they're asking this, we're examining it. How does the Jewish man get promoted to such high stature in Darius's kingdom? Because let's keep in mind here, this is a king from a different region. He hasn't been here through the whole Testimony of Daniel's life and and the other Hebrew and his colleagues' life with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he wasn't in the kingdom there to witness the fiery furnace and all that other stuff. So what is what is the Medes' interest in Daniel? What has Daniel done at this point um, to have earned such favor in the eyes of this king? And I think it's interesting to me in the in Daniel's testimony and his life story here. You have one instance where his works showed who he was and he was promoted as a result of that. Had he not done any of those things under Nebuchadnezzar, he would never have been promoted. Here we have the Medes and the Persians and we have Darius. Seemingly no real interest in no real. uh, What am I looking for here? No real background, no resume necessarily to promote Daniel, but it was done because of grace and it was done because of favor But one more element to it, the Bible tells us this, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Amen? As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Why was Daniel promoted here? Well, obviously, his life, his testimony, the things that he was able to present before the king. Moreover, we see unmerited favor being expressed so I see an example of grace here Um, he did not work under this king to get his promotion it was done because of his position with God we see God's favor we see God's providence we see God's directive will and we see God's ability to turn the heart of a king to promote a complete miracle really when you think about it a complete miracle Um, and so here's the thing If these other presidents and princes and things would understand, you can fight with God all you want to, but you're not going to win. You're not going to win. Well, let's see what they do anyway. Uh, So they seek occasion. Uh, They're looking for a reason to blame them for something. You know, they want to take a charge to the king. Obviously, they can't find anything. Have you know anybody that's just been accused over and over and over again and they can't find anything so they just make something up? Sound familiar to anybody? I'm not comparing any former presidents to Daniel here because they're not in the same category, trust me. But I'm just saying it's the heart of man that you can see on display in both instances. You see how corrupted the carnal man is and their desires for their own personal agendas? And so here, let's look at verse six. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king, uh, minus Daniel, and said thus unto him, King Darius live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute. And to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Were they being honest? Oh, everyone's in agreement. Oh, okay. Oh, everyone's here. Oh, except for one. Daniel wasn't with them. So Daniel wasn't there to tell the king what he thought about the decree. Right? You catch that? they're here okay everybody's agree. all the princes all the presidents we're all in agreement on this you would have thought if daniel was the number one guy under the king the first person the king would have wanted to ask for was daniel right oh really everyone's in agreement hey i noticed uh daniel's not here where is he could you get him for me i'd like his opinion on this uh so they've caught this king off guard Uh, As a result of his promotion, Daniel is hated by those that he's supposed to be. Oh, I mean, I, I mean, of course, there's sometimes people hate leadership. They didn't want Daniel's leadership. Can I give you this? They had no reason to hate Daniel other than the fact that he was promoted over them. Seriously, they had no other cause to dislike him. The cause of envy is everything good. When someone's heart's that corrupted, if this person's good, the better they are, the more that they're hated for it. Amen? That's what envy does. Um, Because you want so bad. Because your envy is taking root in your heart to find some way. And if you can't, you get all the more angry about it. It's an agitation to the flesh. And so we see that on display here. But anyhow, so they've gone and they've uh, they've gone to get this rule. It's for 30 days. What a weird law for 30 days. Amen. They don't want anyone to ask anything of anybody or any God other than king. If anybody needs anything for 30 days, go ask the king for it. And I don't know about you, but if I were the king, I wouldn't want everybody in the kingdom asking me for everything that they need for 30 days. So I probably wouldn't have passed that law. Um, however, The king is led to believe that everybody's in agreement on this. And so now in verse 8, they say, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Hmm. The better a man is, the worse he is thought of by those who are opposed to him. As the cause of envy is everything good, here we see the effect of envy is everything bad. I really want you to consider what they've done. They didn't just seek to get Daniel demoted. They seek his complete and total ruin. Amen? It's not just a disqualification they're after here. They want him fed to lions for crying out loud. They're seeking his life and nothing less. They tricked the king into passing a law that would allow them to use Daniel's religion against him. They used trickery. Trickery is an evil thing. But it's used a lot in the world. Always has been. Here we see using trickery to get laws passed. That didn't just happen in 2023, that's been happening for thousands of years, okay? So that didn't just show up last night. Uh, That's why when people have a biblical worldview and a biblical understanding and knowledge of the Bible, they have more discernment because they can see things because they have the spirit of wisdom guiding their decisions and they can see objectively. Uh, You just learn to see some of the tricks and schemes that the devil and his little workers are up to, amen? Amen. And this, that's what this thing is about. Satan is after Daniel, and they've used trickery. But even in this, it's a compliment to Daniel's faith because they knew they didn't have to pass this decree for long. They only needed 30 days, and they would have plenty of a case built against them because they knew he wasn't going to go one day without praying to his God. They knew that. They knew what they were doing. Let's look at a couple things in the Bible on this issue of trickery. we still got some time. Go to Proverbs, if you will, chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, look at verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous are right, Daniel, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. Well, they counseled that king, and it was nothing but deceit because they were wicked. Give you another one Proverbs chapter 20, verse 17. I love this one. Has anyone ever dealt with you deceitfully? If you haven't seen the end of that work out against the person that was against you, I promise you, this Bible verse always fulfills itself sooner or later. Amen? Bread of deceit is sweet to a man. Verse 17. They think they're doing something. It's sweet at the time. They think they, oh, we, we got Daniel. Hey, we got the king signed the decree. We know he's going to pray. We got him. Same thing they thought about Christ at the cross. We got him. It was sweet to him there at first. Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards. There's always an afterwards. But afterwards, his mouth shall be filled with gravel. I've never had a mouthful of gravel, not even crashing a bike or anything. Have anyone here ever had a mouthful of gravel? I've had like popcorn kernels that didn't pop or something and that was bad enough. I can't imagine what gravel would be like. Hey Amen, break all your teeth, probably wouldn't uh, probably wouldn't be very pleasant. I think that's what I think that's what God is saying in this proverb is you can go ahead and be deceitful all you want, but at the end of it, you're going to regret it. you're going to regret it. And let's see how uh, let's see how these men come to regret their decision with Daniel. Of course, we won't get all the way through um, the testimony of this event today. We'll have to finish some of this next week, um, Lord willing. But let's look at one more verse here. Go back to Psalm. Look at Psalm 101. This is eight verses, and I have time to read them, which is good, because all eight verses of Psalm 101 give us a glimpse of one, a man walking with God with a perfect heart. We see that with Daniel. But also, a warning to the deceitful. So we've got a message in Psalm 101 that would apply to the To the person remaining upright, but also to the person who is opposed to them, acting on envy, trying to destroy them or bring them to ruin or whatever it would be. Let's look at these verses here. Psalm 101, starting in verse 1. I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O, when will thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A forward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. So you see uh, the heart of God towards both the upright and the wicked, those that deal deceitfully, they will not dwell within my house. Of course, this is David as king um, declaring the fact that he's going to do some consecration work there within his kingdom, make sure that these people aren't coming in and defiling his rule and his leadership, um, making sure that he's not going to encounter problems with that. So here's, we'll go back to Daniel now. So we've got this law that's been passed. This law is an impertinent law, okay? That means it does not contain proper respect or sensitivity to Daniel's faith, and so that was done intentionally, amen? Um, uh, personally, I think those that drafted that abortion law that just got passed in Ohio. First of all, they weren't from Ohio. And I believe that that was an impertinent law. I think that was a law that was crafted very carefully with the intentions not only to make things legal that are offensive to God's people, but I think it went further than that. They wanted every little possible obstacle to an abortion eliminated through that law because they're taking a shot a God's people, because of our stand on. There's more to it than just wanting abortions. With that, I'm telling you, they have a hatred for pro life. They have a hatred for Christian people. They have a hatred for God's authority and um, the fact that God is the is the creator of life. There's a, there's a God complex in that. There's a so they passed a law that was designed to be offensive. And so here we have Daniel's situation. This law is passed. With the design to be offensive to Daniel, and so the law as it breaks down again. No person shall ask petition of any god or man for thirty days. Consider the implications of that law. Don't pray. Well, we've been told not to pray, and you know that there's places where you can't pray in public. Uh, that's even happening in the United States, even though it's supposed to be protected. Go pray and shanghai and some of these places overseas out in public and see how you're treated for doing um go to baghdad go pray a matter of fact go pray in the name of jesus at the wailing wall right there in jerusalem and see how actually you're treated for that um you could find yourself in persecution for that um so don't pray uh but think about the the all the other things involved in this law a beggar how many beggars were in the kingdom at that time what did beggars have to do they would sit out and ask for the alms. Oh, now the beggar can't ask for alms. You're going to start throwing beggars into the den of lions. There's going to be some fat lions. Amen? The beggars can't beg for 30 days. Um, when a child needs something, who do they go to? A parent. You mean they passed a law that was designed to bypass parental supervision? Imagine that. Hmm. Nothing new under the sun, huh? Uh, you know, it it just... So now the child can no longer ask the parent. he has got to go to the government. I don't want a world where the government's helping me parent my child. It wasn't good in Daniel's time, and it's not good in ours either. But the worst of all of this is to stop praying for 30 days because they're robbing God of the tribute he has of man. And they're robbing man of the comfort he has in God. Amen? And as a result, let's look at this from Daniel. Verse 10 in Daniel 6. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. Sounds like that psalm we just read. And his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He wasn't worried about who was looking. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. They knew right where to look. They knew right when to find him praying. They knew exactly what they were doing. And Daniel was doing exactly what he knew he was supposed to do. And that was continue to pray to his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree, Haste thou not, Has thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which alter it not now i want to point something out to you that is very important the decree said he should not ask god for anything other than go to the king for it but the bible says when he prayed he was giving thanks to god for what he had already done you catch the significance in that detail How did they know what he was praying for? He was talking to God and not to them. Were they eavesdropping and listening to Him out loud? They went to the king and said, King, Daniel, he's asking God for things. You don't know what he's doing. Is that your view of prayer? That all we do is just ask God endlessly for all the things that we want? What about the fact that most of the time when we're praying, we're thanking God for everything He's already done? Got Him flawed process they made an allegation Daniel's praying he must be asking God for things Bible says he was on his knees three times a day giving thanks before his God as he's always done amen think about what Daniel is saying Lord I thank you for always taking care of me I don't even have to ask you, Lord, for the things that I need because you already know ahead of time and you've always taken care of me. And I know that you'll continue to do so. And you can pray without always asking God for something. There's ways to intercede. There's ways to lift up the needs of others in prayer that don't involve asking. And so they made a false allegation. I'm going to run out of time here. I better hurry up. But I just thought that was, that was key. And so there in verse 12, let's get through 13, 14, and 15 quickly. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. The king liked Daniel. Now he realizes he's been tricked. And set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He's looking for some way to fix the mistake that he made. That's why people need to use a great deal of caution in their decisions. Because if you make a bad one, you may regret it. And once you've made it, you may not be able to fix it. He's laboring even till the going down of the sun. He's anguished. I'm going over my time here, but he's just, he, oh, what have I done to Daniel? How can I fix it? What can I do? He felt terrible for the law that he had passed. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, know, O king, that the law of Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute with the king establisheth may be changed. So Daniel did not back down from doing what was right. He prayed three times a day. Daniel's enemies were watching. They were waiting. They took their case to the king. The king regretted the law that was passed. He did not see the implications at the time that he passed it. He agreed to the law because everyone agreed. Right? It was the. It was the. Uh, The new normal, the expected standard, and so the king would be expected to follow suit. He made an error in judgment. Daniel was not present. Now the deceit is exposed. The king has buyer's remorse for the law that he passed. The regret of being taken advantage of for someone else's agenda. The king tried everything to fix the mistake made in his hasty decision. But it was too late. Now, you can apply that to many decisions in life. And as I'm out of time here and I finish up, I'll tell you, maybe the most applicable way of looking at that. Every day we make decisions. Every day is an opportunity for someone to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Every day they've got a decision, live without Jesus, accept Jesus, reject Jesus, accept Jesus. There'll be no greater regret than the regret of somebody that was talked out of church, talked out of faith, talked out of prayer, talked, you don't got to listen to a pastor, you don't got to listen to your parents, you don't have to go to church, that's just, the, the Bible is just something they use to try to control people's decisions and behaviors. You can be deceived against Jesus. And many are. But at the end of this life, it's a regret above and beyond any other regret because it has eternal consequences. A decision that can't be changed. So accept Jesus today. Amen. I, pray, I certainly pray everyone here this morning has. Hope that was a good Sunday school lesson. Let's pray it out. Let's pray it out. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the wisdom you've shared with us in Daniel, uh, in this in the study, God. And help us in our decision-making, Lord, to use wisdom, not make rush decisions on anything, but seek your wisdom. God, help us stand boldly like Daniel did, even when the world wants to pass uh ordinances and things that are against our faith. Lord, help us stand and be faithful and and do those things that we should. Lord, and, and most of all, God, help us have an excellent spirit and to walk in the spirit and have the fruits of the spirit coming out of our life. Because your word says this, God. It says that we'll overcome evil with good. So help us do good as Daniel did good. Most of all, as Jesus did good. Even when he was hated and put on the cross, he went for our sins, God. And we're thankful for that today. Uh, Lord, bless our morning worship uh, to come, Lord, and those who are trying to get to church. Again, we pray for Wanda. And um, God, we're just thankful to be in church today. And uh, it's good to be in your house, Lord. We just ask that you'll bless the remainder of this day for us. In Jesus' name, amen.